0: We're about to start a new sermon series today, uh, and I feel it's probably going to be one of the most important uh, sermon series for us uh, over the next 10 years. Um, I'm so excited about the sermon series that I picked out a new shirt to wear uh, for the service this morning. I've been praying for this for a long time, preparing uh, diligently for, for a long time. Uh, New City Church, all of us as a church together, we will be completing 10 years this March. Uh, So this year, Good Friday will actually be our our 10th anniversary. And we're slowly transitioning from being a church plant to a church. A church that kind of grows out in the fullness of God's design for the church. And as we do that, uh, we must humbly... And, and diligently ensure that we are confirming to God's blueprint and design for His church. and Which is why we're doing this series titled, What Is the Church? Even as we begin the series, would you join with me as I pray for all of us together? I've actually written out a prayer, um, thoughtfully, prayerfully, and I want to read that. It's a very small, simple prayer. Prayer. Father, our Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you illuminate your word into our hearts that we may wholly see and that we may wholly align our Lord Jesus Christ's design and desire for his church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, We're going to be looking at two scripture passages this morning, both from the book of Matthew, one from chapter 16 and one from chapter 18 as we begin this journey through the sermon series titled, What is the Church? Allow me to read the portions, it'll also come up for us on screen. If you have your Bibles, digital or physical, please do turn to that. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 to 20. Now, when Jesus came to the district of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The second passage we're going to be looking at is Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. This is again Jesus speaking. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two along with you, That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be born in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be lost in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to be spending two weeks looking at uh, these two passages. This week week, and the next. Uh, The sermon today has just only one point still a 35-minute sermon. But just one point. Uh, The church is both universal and local. The church is both universal and local. Uh, The two passages we read this morning are the very first instances where Christ Jesus used and introduced the word church to his disciples and to all of us. Uh, But did you notice that in these two instances where our Lord Jesus talks about his church, he is communicating two very different realities of the church, of what the church is. And I'm going to walk us through that. In the first passage, Matthew 16, uh, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you believe uh, uh, he is? I am. Jesus asked them. And Peter makes his grand declaration of faith. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus affirms Peter's declaration and he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. So in this passage, when Jesus says, I will build my church, what church do you think Jesus is referring to? Obviously, he's referring to all of us. He's referring to every church in Mumbai. He's referring to every church in India. He's referring to every church uh, in uh, all over the world. And so when Jesus says, I will build my church, he is referring to the universal church. He is not only referring to uh, churches that are in different geographies, he's also referring to churches that have existed at different periods of time in the past. The church in the first century, the second century, and so on, all the way till now, and the church that is to come. All of that Christ is building. The reference by Christ to the word church in this passage is very clearly a reference to the universal church. One universal church, the body of Christ. So the moment anyone becomes a follower of Christ Jesus, when his faith through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, when he comes to repentance and faith in Jesus, he or she, The moment they come to faith, they are immediately a part of God's universal church. That very moment, part of God's universal church. When we say universal church, it not only refers, as I've been saying, not only refers to the present church, but also the past church, also the future church to come. All believers who've been been all believers of Christ over the last 2,000 years, who have died and are now resting with Christ... In heaven, they are also part of the universal church. Now, all of us, the present church, we're also seated with Christ in heaven. How do I say that? Ephesians chapter 2 verses 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So now let me define universal church. This is not my definition. This is something theologians uh, have put together over the years. The universal church is a heavenly assembly of everyone, past, present, and future, who belongs to Christ's new covenant. And I'm borrowing the words of author and pastor Jonathan Lehman. So the full universal church, therefore, is a heavenly church. It's also an invisible church. Well, I say invisible because, of course, we see each other. Uh, we see other churches in the city, maybe even other churches in the world. Uh, we see them in part, but we don't yet we don't see the past church and we don't see the future church. But the universal church is, is a reality. The universal church is seated in heaven. And we don't see all of that. And that's why theologians call it the invisible church and the visible church. The universal church and and, and the local church. So in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus told Peter, I will build my church, he is obviously referring to one universal church. Every church that affirms that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And the only savior of the world, nobody else, uh, any, any church which subscribes to the fullness of the Apostles' Creed that we read quite frequently, are part of this universal church. Sure, there are many doctrinal differences, that's okay. We're still one church. That's Matthew chapter 16. The first time, Jesus introduced the word church to all of us. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 18. The second time, Jesus introduced the word church. And here, Jesus is giving practical life instruction. In life, uh, we do have conflicts and disputes uh, with other Christians. And uh, Jesus tells us, if your brother or sister sins against you, uh, go to him and reason it out. If he or she doesn't listen, take one or two more people and try and resolve it. And even if that doesn't work, Jesus uh, tells his disciples and all of us, in verse 17, he says, if he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church. Tell it to the church. When Jesus in this passage says, tell it to the church, what church do you think he's referring to? Let's say Joshua and uh, Isaac. He's <laughs> uh, Let's say Joshua and Isaac have a conflict and they've tried to resolve, it doesn't work. And uh, so they, they decide that they're going to go to the pastor of Avtar Church, which meets outside uh, Bandra. Uh, is that what this passage means? Or uh, does this passage mean that uh, Joshua and Isaac should call all the churches in Mumbai together <laughs> to, you know, to present their case and ask for reconciliation? Uh, or should they go to heaven, where the universal church is, and uh, wait for them to go to heaven which we hope is not too soon, uh, and and have the uh, results, is that what Jesus means? Clearly, it's quite obvious from this passage that Jesus is not referring to the universal church. He is referring to the local church. So these two people who have conflict, they should tell it to the local church. The regular assembly of Christ followers that they are gathering with and submitting to, and doing life together as a gospel community every single day. This is the local church. So the local church is definitely part of the universal church, but the local church is a distinct and a specific gathering of believers who meet regularly to sit under the preaching of God's word, to participate in baptism and communion, and who live in mutual accountability under the leadership of of godly elders and, and shepherds that God has placed in every local church. The New Testament is full of instances of the local church. A lot of Paul's letters, a lot of what we see playing out in the New Testament after the resurrection and ascension of Christ Jesus is all referring to different local churches. So the New Testament clearly affirms unique, distinct local churches like ours, like every other church that's meeting, uh, that are all part of the universal church. Let's look at some. what are some implicit instructions that Christ is giving here about how the local church should function. Obviously, the local church should be built on the faith that is in Christ Jesus And presumably, it's quite obvious from this passage, that the members of the local church know each other well. Because they know each other well enough to go and have a conversation about a a dispute. And and obviously, obviously, the the local... Did I just get a Malayalam accent? Just kidding. I thought I said obviously. Obviously, the the local church does have some uh, mutual accountability and authority over one another, because they are asked to submit their dispute. And we know from several passages in the New Testament that God calls elders to oversee the flock. We're going to look at be looking at some of that as, as today. So the first two times that Jesus referred to the church, he's calling us to see two different and equally true realities of what the church is. The church is both universal and local while every believer is automatically included into the universal church christ has also charged every believer to also intentionally belong to a specific local church and that's the first and the and the only thing i wanted to establish for us this morning from these two passages the church is both universal and local. The church is both universal and local. What I'd like to do now is jump straight into and immediately draw out five applications for us. You see, it's actually a six-point sermon. One point plus five applications. You know, this morning, Aji warned me. She said, at the 35th minute, I'm going to stand up. She generally sits here. She's already standing, so it's only 10 minutes up uh we'll close on time last week was very long uh we'll close on time so five applications before i move into the application i want to take a minute uh to talk to you if you are who we would call an explorer uh if this is your very first time in a church um you don't know fully about christ you're just curious about him and you're probably thinking why should i sit in this church for the next uh 15 more minutes or 20 more minutes what's in it for me why should i be interested in about the church Uh, Let me just say this. We live in a generation which longs for belonging but which is afraid of commitment. And we all know, deep inside, we all know, I don't need to tell you this, that there can be no belonging without commitment. So what we need and what this generation needs is a power To make a commitment. The power to give ourselves to a body of people. And I tell you, there is nothing else that can compel us in love to do that except the Son of God, Christ Jesus, giving his life to us in absolute commitment, even to the point of dying for us on the cross. And so if your soul resonates with, with me when I say you're longing for belonging, but you're afraid of commitment, and there can be no belonging without commitment, only Jesus, only Christ can give you the power to make that commitment and through that experience of belonging that your soul longs for. So even if this is your first time in a church, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, Uh, I do feel this has some meaning to you. And you might want to ponder about this as I walk the church through uh, the rest of what I have to share this morning. So I'm going to draw five applications from this reality that the church is both universal and local. Application number one is the universal church and the local church are both equally important. Now, some Christians overemphasize the universal church and they underemphasize the local church. Uh, You know, these Christians are all over the place. They're well-meaning, good-hearted Christians. They are there uh, in all parts of... They're part of every city movement. They're part of every national organization. Every time any Christian initiative comes together in the city, they are there serving sacrificially, doing everything. They're amazing networkers. They know to connect people and they know to get things done but they're not rooted in a local church. They, they're just floating all around. They don't participate in Sunday gatherings regularly. Uh, they don't hold themselves accountable to any group of believers. So they're overemphasizing the universal church and underemphasizing the local church. This is not Christ's design for any believer. We are called to engage with the local church. Be deeply connected in a local church even as we engage with the universal church other christians overemphasize the local church and underemphasize the universal church uh, these christians walk around with with my church is the best kind of attitude uh, my doctrine is the best i am the purest uh, i believe in the purest doctrine uh, i will not participate with you you're, 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 we are the only real church everybody else is is fake i won't talk to other churches i won't partner with other churches we are the one true church. This too is wrong. Christ designed the church to be both universal and local. And we are called to place equal emphasis on both realities. We have to belong to the local church completely. We are talk, going, to talk, going to be talking about that over the next few week, weeks. And we are called to stay connected and enjoy being part Of the universal church of Jesus Christ. That's the first application. Both are equally important. The second application. The local church is not just a Sunday event that you attend as and when you please. Matthew chapter 18 verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, Jesus goes on. Let's look at all the people involved in this incident. First, there are these two people who have a dispute. Then there are one or two witnesses. And then there is the church. Let me ask you something. Do you think all these these people are strangers to each other? The two people, the witnesses, the church. Does it seem like they, they are strangers? Or does it seem like these people do know each other really well? Obviously, these people know each other really well. Not only do they know each other really well, implicit in the passage is that these people are living in mutual submission to one another. Why else would you take the dispute to the church if you're not living in mutual submission to one another? So when Jesus refers to the local church, he is assuming and he is communicating this reality that he is calling us To live in a gospel community in meaningful relationship with one another. And in mutual submission and accountability to one another. And so merely coming and going on a few Sundays when it's convenient for us does not constitute the meaningful relationship that Christ is calling every one of us to the church. The local church is not a building we definitely don't own WeWork. Uh, the local church is also not a, just a Sunday event. The local church is not an event, Sunday service. It's important. But just that is not the local church. The local church is a specific group of believers living in a meaningful relationship and mutually accountable to one another. So God's design for us is to be more than occasional Sunday attenders. We're called to deeply integrate in gospel community. We're called to live lives together, as many of us are truly and joyfully doing. The third application. Christ's design for us is to belong to one local church and not to keep shuttling between two or more churches. I know this might be a sensitive area for some of you, And uh, not only do I know it's a sensitive area, but but I also want to tell you that I know exactly what you feel like for some of us who might be still kind of trying to decide or still feeling the need to be part of two churches. We know, Aji and I, we know exactly what you feel like. I I say that because about 20 years ago, uh, Aji and I, we were living in Muscat at that point in time, and we were attending two churches. Uh, One was a charismatic church, and one was a brethren church chalk and cheese. Uh, you know, I loved the free expression of the charismatic church and I loved the way the Brethren Church was deeply rooted in God's word. And I thought that, you know, we have to get the best of both worlds and we were uh, uh, part of, uh, of, of both the churches. We attended both the churches for about maybe three, four months. Uh, looking back, maybe more than three, four months, looking back, all I can tell you is that we were stupid. Because we submitted to neither. What we liked and what was convenient to us, what we wanted to obey in this church, we obeyed. And what was convenient to us and what we wanted to obey in that church, we obeyed. So basically, we lived the life we wanted to. We did not submit to God's word. We did not submit to anyone. We were actually, as I look back, as we look back in hindsight, we were living in outright rebellion of what God has called every believer to be. To belong to one local church. Christ has called us to be part of one local church. To be discipled in one local church. To serve faithfully and do all our ministry predominantly through one local church. Where in the Bible does it say this? Can you show me the verse please? Let me walk us through. Let me walk us through this reality. I want to I show this to you from the way the Bible calls elders and leaders uh, through the New Testament. So I'm going to walk you through two passages which make it abundantly clear that the design and desire of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is that each of us belong to one local church. Jesus does not say this church is better than that church. Uh, He gives us the freedom to wisely, prayerfully decide the church that we feel is is, He's calling us to and, and kind of commit to that. Two passages, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It'll come up for us on screen. This is Christ, this is uh, the Apostle Paul talking uh, to, to lead us. Pay, this is the Bible talking to lead us. Uh, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, elders and leaders, to care for the church of God which you obtained with their own. So, Christ is calling all elders and leaders to pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So can I go and am I supposed to read this verse and say, I have to care for every believer in Bombay Baptist Church, Kolaba? Is that what this passage is? Is this passage referring, is calling leaders and elders to care for the universal church? If I see some wrong doctrine being taught in some church in New York City, am I supposed to make a flight there and and correct that doctrine? No. Clearly implicit in the passage, God is calling leaders and elders to first pay careful attention to ourselves. We are sinners, saved by grace, being sanctified, needing God's grace every single day. We are called to watch over the flock. Now, which flock am I supposed to watch over? If you're part of two two churches, uh, who is supposed to watch over you? Uh, The pastor of this church, the elders in this church, or the elders in this church? Who is supposed to watch over you? Um, And this clearly establishes local eldership and local membership. Belong to one church. Uh, Some of us occasionally have split personalities, like Aji and I, we did 20 years ago. We said, no, no, this Sunday, I am this person, I want to be this church. The next Sunday, I am that person, I feel that way, so I want to be uh, in that church. Let me just say this, all elders are limited. None of us are Christ Jesus. None of us. We are all very limited, and we have limited capacity to, to care for the flock. And I will be the first one to say that I live with a with a deep awareness of my own inadequacy to care for even a few specific people. I feel I fall so short of loving, praying, and caring uh, for the flock that God has entrusted me with. If I'm so limited, how can I kind of really meaningfully care for people who are here some weeks and gone? Uh, the, the, the the next week. So if you're part of two churches, I have to say in the light of this next verse that I'm going to share with you, which is even more convicting, I have to say, and I say this with in love, if you're part of two churches, I cannot be accountable to you. I cannot care for you because it's not biblical. This is what I'm sharing is not an isolated verse. Let me point you to another verse, which leaves us in no doubt whatsoever. And this verse scares me. I want to be honest. It really scares me. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. This is God talking to the congregation. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And this verse is obviously again in the context of the local church. First, this says leaders are to keep watch over the souls of the flock. The second part is what really scares me. It says, Leaders are accountable to God for you. So, the leaders, the elders of this church, we are accountable to God for all of you. As an elder of this church, on the day of judgment, when Christ comes again, God will call me to account for your soul. I, don't, I can't read this verse any other way. God will call me to account as an elder of this church for your spiritual growth. Now, How can I agree to be accountable to... to who, who am I accountable for? Am I accountable to everyone who's come to New City even once? Am I accountable... How can I be accountable to someone who's kind of here one day and in another church one day? So I have to say I cannot be accountable to God for people who don't belong to New City, the local church. And I know this is sensitive, but I'm gonna to have to ask you, I would be sinning against you, I would be sinning against God if I don't preach the truth of God's word. So I'm gonna I'm gonna to have to ask you to to choose to commit to one local church. All churches are good, all churches are imperfect. That's a reality. New city is not a perfect church, but commit and belong to one local church. Let me quickly say two things. If, as a result of this sermon, you're going to stop coming to New City and decide to be part of one church, which may happen to be another church, I have to say, we're going to miss you, but we're going to rejoice because you are living God's design. You are being obedient to Christ, your Savior, and so we rejoice in that. It is better for your soul that you belong to one church, better or worse, Them And it is dangerous for your soul for you to be part of two churches. Practically, if the elders of one church correct you, you're going to run to the other church. The elders of the other church correct you, you're going to run to this church. And this happens all the time. This is reality. I'm like this, you're like this. So we need for the goodness, for the well-being, for the safety of our souls, we need to belong to one church. Second thing, practically, I want to say, it's, it's okay to shift churches. Uh, I don't mean shifting churches every three months, right? Once or twice. You know, we move cities. I'm not talking about that. In the city, sometimes we might not really be able to connect. And, and I don't mean this other people coming to New City. Uh, you might not connect well with New City. And we're okay with that. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be hurt. If you come and tell me that there are a few things that, that I don't really enjoy. Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm going to flourish here. Uh, but there's another church which I've heard about, which I've been to once or twice. And I, they kind of fit that. I feel I'll flourish. I'll feel I'll grow spiritually more in that church. I will not be offended. That is reality. Because God has created local churches with so much diversity. I mean, you go to a church in Africa and you go to a church in U.K., they're both local churches. Can you say one church is better than the other? One church is so expressive. You know, when, you, when the offering comes, they all dance, wave their offering in the front and come. The other church is stiff, uptight. Right? Can you say one is better than the other? No, God in his sovereignty and knowing that we are diverse has created a diversity of local churches. So you may not flourish in new city, but you may flourish in another church. So it's okay to, to move churches I mean just don't do it t- too frequently right just do it don't do it every time some something says uncomfortable to you or something says something you don't like uh, right but once or twice maybe in five, ten years it might happen it might happen to some of you and that's all right. but all I want to say is as you check and explore other churches if you're in that place or if you're some other church that you're not flourishing you think you'll flourish here make up your mind and take two months, take three months, Uh, Take six months, it's all right, but make up your mind. Don't forever live with your foot in both boats. You know what's going to happen. Both the boats are going to drift two ways and you'll probably get sawn into two. Not not healthy, not ideal. So, two two very practical things. That's application three. We are all called to belong to one local church. All churches are good and all churches are imperfect. So, figure out your goodness to imperfect ratio and figure out where you want to be. It's reality. Application four, basic Christian living and growth is impossible without a wholehearted enjoyment and commitment to membership in one local church. Uh, We're going to talk about membership in the coming ways. We have to first unlearn a lot of wrong things about membership and relearn what's biblical membership. Biblical membership and what we think about membership is very wrong. That's another sermon. 35 minutes, are you still looking at me? (laughs) Basic Christian living and growth is impossible without a wholehearted enjoyment and commitment to membership in one local church. The New Testament is full of one another commands. Be devoted to one another, build up one another, accept one another, admonish one another, serve one another, stir up one another. To, to uh, be precise, there are 59 such one another commands in the New Testament. Please tell me how on earth are we going to live out all of these commands unless we are living in a meaningful relationship with one local church. The local church is the primary vehicle that God has designed for your discipleship and mine. You know, being part of one local church and living all this is hard enough. Loving one another, forgiving one another, exhort one another, encourage one another. It's hard enough in, in, in one church. I mean, no way we can live any of these out if we don't belong, if we are not committed to one local church. And if we don't see the local church as God's primary vehicle for our discipleship. At the end of the sermon, I'll share in the WhatsApp group a list of these 59 commands. You can look at it yourself. Fifth, application five, uh, the last application. The local church and not any other parachurch organization must be a primary place for ministry, mission, and discipleship. The local church is the primary place. Let me establish this and I'll, I'll unpack this. Don't rush to any conclusions to where I'm going with this. Uh, in Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul talks about his desire and plan to go to Spain to preach the gospel there. In talking about this plan, Paul says something that is extremely interesting. I I began to see this a couple of years ago, and I was shocked by what Paul was saying, and and I really understood the full implications of it. Uh, Let me read this. Chapter 15, verse 19, the book of Romans. This is Paul speaking. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God... So that uh, from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Paul is saying from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Is Paul saying I have preached the gospel to every believer? I have evangelized every believer? Everyone's been made a believer. Is that what Paul is saying? Of course not. We know that at that time there were so few believers. So what is Paul saying here? What Paul is saying, that from Jerusalem to Illyricum, he has planted local churches. And because he has planted local churches, his mission is over, because Paul is saying, it is the mission of the local church to reach the world. The local church is God's primary vehicle for for mission. And it is not just... It is not just mission. If you read the New Testament clearly, you will see that very clearly the local church is also God's chosen vehicle for all ministry and discipleship. God's design is that your discipleship and mine should happen primarily in the context of the local church. Now let me unpack this. I love and respect and partner with the work of many parachurch organizations. Most of you know that I'm deeply involved with the work that city to city does. It's not a church plant. It's not a, it's not a church. Uh, you know that we, we I, along with a couple of pastors, helped start the Gospel Coalition in India. It's not a church. It's, it's a parachurch organization. Aji is deeply involved in Paracleo, which works with church planters' wives. Uh, we are all deeply involved with Saveda. Uh, And some of you are involved in different organizations, EU, Campus Cruise, and many organizations. And they are all doing amazing, wonderful work. And as a church, we deeply desire to partner with all of these organizations to work together for the glory of Christ. So nothing wrong with them. But all I'm trying to say is, even though I'm I'm taking my own example. I'm involved with all of these organizations pretty deeply, pretty intensely for the last 10-12 years. But I will say with no hesitation that my primary discipleship has been happening in New City Church. All of you have been God's chosen instruments in discipling me more than any of these organizations that I partner with. So in my life... I am absolutely clear that my primary discipleship is happening in the context of the local church, and so should you. Not only discipleship, but also ministry. I do engage in ministry, serve in these organizations, but all of that is secondary. All of that, I'm very clear, my primary calling And it it, to ministry is to the local church. My fundamental primary calling is to the local church. And out of that, sure, it's good to be engaged and serve the universal church through all of these organizations. It's good and it's beautiful. Maybe over 10,000 people have purchased my book. Maybe uh, 1,000 people have read every article that I write in the Gospel Coalition my primary ministry is to this group of 80 people and over the last 10 years i can say with a with a clean conscience before god and men that i have primarily served in the context of the local church there are so many things i've said no to because i do not want any of that to compromise my serving in the local church this is god's design primary ministry Primary discipleship, primary mission has to happen through the local church. And all other organizations are wonderful, beautiful, called by God, will flourish in God's plan. We're all called to partner together, but the primary mode has to be the local church. So if someone says, my primary ministry is with another organization I'm connected with, and I will serve in the local church whenever I don't have responsibilities there. That is my primary responsibility. This is my secondary responsibility. I have to lovely, lovingly say, read the New Testament. Is that God's plan? Is that God's design? I will also say the churches are not perfect. So many churches are in a terrible state. And I will also say, parachurch organizations are doing an amazing job. That still does not change god's design we are called to function through uh, the local church of course engaging with partnering with working hand in hand shoulder to shoulder with all of these uh, organizations so in god's design the local church must be a primary place of ministry mission and discipleship and as a church we delight when people also serve outside of the church again please don't hear me wrong it's not wrong to serve outside of there. we delight in that we delight when we are able to make an impact even beyond the local church but our primary calling responsibility must be the local church. I want to close with one last thought. It's a very simple thought. If we don't fully understand the local church, we haven't fully understood why Christ redeemed us. Um, there's a song, a very popular, slightly old Christian song. It goes, it's called Crucified. Uh, The lyrics go like this, crucified, laid behind a stone, you live to die, rejected and alone, like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. This is messed up theology. The idea or the thought that Christ died for you alone is a postmodern, western, individualistic notion of salvation. I can assure you Jesus was not thinking of you alone. Was he thinking of you? Yes. He was not thinking of you in isolation. Jesus did not die for you alone. Jesus died for the church. Jesus died so that everyone he redeems will live in a beautiful meaningful relationship with one another. We none of us are redeemed to be to fly solo. Jesus did not redeem any of us uh, individually, specifically thinking of you alone on the cross. Yes, he knew us individually. He knew, knew us each of us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. But his plan is not we live as mere individuals. His plan is not that we live as mere redeemed individuals. His plan is that just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit live in joyful community, we are called to live together gather in joyful community and the local church is the most practical and God's design where we can meaningfully and fully live in that joyful community. We're going to close. I'm going to close with, with prayer. We're going to move into communion. I want to share a couple of things we're going to be doing in the series. But I want to invite us. We are beginning a journey today. We are, I want to invite us to test everything that I'm preaching and whoever else preaches. Test it with God's word. I want to invite us to give yourself to studying God's design for the local church and the universal church revealed to us in the Bible. And I'll personally help you with passages. I'll personally help you with with follow-up things that you can personally study. And feel free to do your own research. And through the sermon series, we're not just going to be preaching, we're going to be having conversation conversations as well. I'll share more about that later. Would you join with me as I pray for grace? I want to go back to that song that we sung, the words in Ephesians, which says Christ himself is the cornerstone on which you all are being built together to be a dwelling place where God dwells by his Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we worship you, Lord. We give you glory. Um We acknowledge that we are a people longing for belonging but afraid of commitment. Help us, uh, Lord. Every one of us, yeah, including myself, Lord, we're all on the learning curve. I, I I know that I don't know everything about the local church. Uh, my theological understanding of the local church is not perfect, but we all want to grow together, Lord. We want to grow in uh, living wholesomely into what is Your plan and your design for your local church, for your bride, for your universal church, your bride. Help us, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray.